I would say definitely don't underestimate your water. And yet at the same time, the way that we treat water is the way that she will show up for us. So if we treat her like she's just some mundane, inanimate thing that we use for our convenience, she'll show up that way because she's pure humility. And then we're not going to have an experience of her power. We're not going to have an experience of her magic and her mystery. But if we honor her and have a reverence for her, then she starts to invite us to get a glimpse of that aspect of her being. So it really starts with us if you want to see that side of water. You know, it really starts with our treatment of her. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Hey everybody, I'm here with my friend Wade Lightheart from Bioptimizers, which is my favorite supplement company. You know, all supplements are certainly not created the same. You always got to consider the source and quality, which is why I use Bioptimizers every day. And Wade, you want to just share with us what makes your company unique from other supplement companies? We're one of the few companies that actually has a research team. I think we're up to 19 PhDs and master students who do a continuous barrage of tests. The second thing is um, Matt and I, the co-founders of the company, we come from the exercise and nutrition industry. And long ago, we decided that we were gonna build a company based on the mission, not on the margin, and that we would de-risk any supplement purchased by someone. In other words, if a product that someone selects didn't actually work for them, we just give them their money back. And we have, I think, the lowest refund rates in the entire industry. And I can say that with confidence because we care about people, we want the products to work, and we also want people to continue to experiment with their health. And we're grateful when people take our products and we wanna make that experience uh, an extraordinary one from customer service to the product, to the efficacy, to how to take it, and of course, to de-risk it. I love it. And that's exactly why I use them every day and why you're so successful because they work and you're a company with heart and soul. So thank you so much, Wade. And everybody, you can check it out. Enter the code AMYF10 to save 10% and uh, let me know what you think. This show is all about helping you empower yourself. And I'm so thrilled to have hooked up with my friend Ross Newkirk and his amazing company, Conscious Technologies, because they produce things that help us do just that. Ross, can you share with us some of the feedback you're getting on the core harmonizer that helps people combat stress? You know, they say that uh, about 90% of hospital visits um, are stress-related. If we can start to remove stress from our lives, we can start to connect to our true self. We were doing a core harmonizer meditation a little while back, and there was maybe 30 people in the room. And after the meditation, a woman came up to me and she said, you know, what's in that thing? You know, she didn't know anything about the core harmonizer before she had come to the meditation and she's moving her back around as she's talking. And she said, I almost didn't come today because my back was throbbing. She said after a walk on the beach and um, she almost didn't come. And she said, it's totally gone. And I told her, I said, well, you actually did that. You know, we provided the coherent space, the core harmonizer uh, creates the coherence through the light music and, and nested sacred geometries. But uh, you actually did that yourself. So this technology is really self-empowering. 
my father, uh, Mark Newkirk, who was a world-class scientist, said that these technologies were really designed as a set of training wheels because the most amazing piece of technology exists within each one of us. And this is able to help facilitate that remembering, if you will. I'm just so grateful to you and your team, Ross. Check out more in episode 105. You can get yours at a special discount on my website under the recommended products page. Just enter the code FITAMYTV10 and you save 10%. Thanks, Ross. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. This show is about helping you to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. Did you know that our girl Aphrodite was actually a mermaid? She has mermaidian, I don't know if that's a word, origins. Isn't that cool? Because you probably heard the famous myth, because there's a couple about Aphrodite's origins. But the most prominent myth of how she came to be as the amazing goddess of love and beauty and relationships, and don't forget, love is also self-love, by the way, but the most prominent myth of her coming into existence, let's just say, because she wasn't really born, okay, in the traditional sense, was the image of her ascending from a seashell from the the ocean, the primordial water. So she has a very, very strong connection to water. And in particular, the mother water, which is the ocean where all of life came from. Isn't that fascinating? I love this. She was actually also known as the lady of the lake, which you might've heard if you've studied Celtic religion and ancient mythology. And like one of my favorite books, which is The Mists of Avalon, I refer to it a few times on the show, totally rocked my world, changed my life. And I did not know that Aphrodite was actually referred to as the Lady of the Lake. But today's show, I'm telling you this because we are talking about water. But hold on a second, before you tune out, okay, and say, yeah, yeah, I know I'm supposed to drink water. I know it's important. Most of our body is water. I know you've heard that before. Because, you know, we're in this together, right? We both are interested in holistic health. It's a given, right? But listen, please listen to this episode. I promise you, it's going to be information about water that you've never heard before. Because water is the ultimate female element. Okay, there's four primarily elements, technically five, but four, water, earth, fire, and air, okay? Water is the feminine element and water is symbolic and a metaphor for many very, very important things such as feelings, emotions, unconsciousness, okay, receptivity, flow and change. In fact, water is the ever-changing thing, right? And it's symbolic of rest and quiet and sleep. It's the going within. It is the ultimate in the feminine symbolism. In addition, it's inherently linked with love. Love and water hold hands. They're both feminine elements, feminine essences. And it is said that we have to treat water the way we treat love and that if we grasp it and try to cling to it, like if you grab water in your fist, what happens? It just will just like leak through your fingers, right? However, if you hold water softly in a cup, and a cup is symbolic of water, the feminine element, 
If you hold water in your hand, like in a cup, then you can hold it and it will stay with you. And that's the way love is too. So you're going to love this show because it's water like you never heard before. We talk about the metaphysical, the divine feminine aspects of water with my brilliant guest, who is really the empress of water, in my opinion, Isabel Friend. Isabel is an international ambassador of water. How about that? She's also a public speaker and educator. She's been doing this for going on 15 years and she is a student, servant, and steward of water. She seamlessly blends science and spirit into a comprehensive cosmology of water and wisdom. Spanning the practical insights of health, hydration, and biology, Isabel helps us learn empowering tactics for watershed guardianship and ecological activism. Isabel's offerings are as multifaceted as water is itself. She has taught about water throughout the U.S., Canada, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Bali, Mexico, and Thailand. She is currently semi-nomadic and enjoys spending time fire dancing, hiking, riding her motorcycle, and geeking out like the mad scientist she is in her laboratory. Woman after my own heart right there. It's so cool when you find people you resonate with, isn't it? I just love it. It's, it's like what, one of my favorite things about doing this show. Most importantly, Isabel is deeply devoted to helping you embody the empowerment that is inherent in, in being a body of water, living on a body of water, and just water itself. Because water is life and life is sacred. So some of the fascinating things we talk about in this episode include the metaphysical aspects of water and water in an esoteric sense, like you've never heard before. How water is the primordial mirror. And we talk about structured water. Hopefully you have heard the amazing episode on my show, number 88, with my guest, Dolph Zangtanga, we talk about the fountain of youth and structured, coherent water and how important it is that it's not enough to filter your water and get properly filtered water. You actually have to restructure it, unfortunately. But in this day, so much of water is screwed up. We explain that in this episode. Okay, so you got to listen to that part because if you're spending money on filters for your house, and buying bottled filtered water, you've got to hear the part about structured. And if you're the person who's peeing all the time or says, I know I drink water all the time, guess what? Isabel says you're still dehydrated. And if you're peeing all the time and you have low energy and joint problems and maybe bad skin or need to lose weight, Mental focus problems, these are all symptoms of being dehydrated. And just drinking more water is not the answer. You have to structure your water. And the good news is it's not hard to do. It's easy. In fact, I just structured mine. This is an Enamalema wand. And all you do is put it in your water and swirl it around. And it will. this contains the mother water in glass and crystal. And it actually makes the water structured for you. So your body gets the right information, is able to utilize that water to do all the millions of critical things it needs to do in your cells. If water is not properly structured, then it can't do its job. 
Okay. So check out episode 88, by the way, if you want to find out more about the Amalama wand and you can use my coupon fit Amy TV to save some money. All of that is on my website e-store. I use this thing every single day. It takes seconds and wow, did I notice a difference from the first day I started using it. Check it out on my website, amyfournier.com. So some more of the things we talk about is how there's three types of water, the difference between hydration and irrigation, how water is actually our lifeblood, the similarity of non-structured water and processed food, the importance of drinking water from a local source, biological aging versus chronological aging, the divine feminine and the, and the spiritual teachings of the living waters, the water codes, the water and love connection, how water is the ruler of the planet, and the feminine and masculine components of water, how water in its physical form is the feminine, but the etheric form is the masculine. You know, the Native Americans view water as life. Water is life. Water is sacred and had, had always been considered sacred and revered and veneered for all of humanity. We've got to get back to that, my friends, because you probably know you can live probably a few weeks without food, but you can't live without water more than a couple days. And we just, we've got to get it right about water. That's the first thing. If you're interested in your health, I would say investing in something like an Amalema wand and a good filter are like number one. Probably, I'm even going to say more important than food, okay? You got to get your water right. I mean, your body is molecularly 99% water. I mean, do the math, right? You got to start with that. So I'm thrilled to bring you this show. Please enjoy it. If you want to support me, the best way to do so is leave a review. It only takes a second and it really helps support me to keep the show going. And please share the show with your friends. Thanks so much, everybody. Let's now join Isabel Friend. And we're back, everybody. Isabel, welcome to Awakening Aphrodite. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm happy to be here with you. It is a thrill to have you here. You are like the ambassador, the queen. The, the empress, the water empress is with us, everybody. It is truly a thrill. I am so excited to share with you, share with everybody what you are going to share with us about all the different components of water that we don't know about that we need to know about. Well, I'm excited to dive into the conversation. I hope it's a great value to your listeners. Okay, let's get a brief history of what got you into water. What helped Isabel become the queen of water? Well, briefly, um, it started in 2009 for me. I was living in Brooklyn, New York. And at the time I was a nutritionist and specifically I was studying nutrigenomics, which is how, um, how what we eat affects our gene expression. And at the time, and I still do, I still believe that humans have infinite capacity and that we, we have barely even tapped into what the human body and mind and heart is really capable of. And at the time I thought, well, we are what we eat. And so it must be through food that we can access, you know, deeper um, layers of our, of our potential. And so I was discovering, well, not discovering, but I was researching how, uh, how food affects our gene expression. So I was starting to eat a lot of wildcrafted foods a lot. I was going foraging a lot. Um, 
because the more we eat wild food, the more we have less domesticated gene expression. Our gene expression becomes similar to that of our wild progenitors who were so much more vital and healthy and vibrant in so many ways. And then I started to realize, wait a second, the water that we drink is actually far more important than the food that we eat because if we're not well hydrated, we're not even absorbing the nutrients that we eat into our cells. It's the osmotic flow of water that determines how permeable our cell membranes are to all of the nutrients that we're consuming. And we all drink such processed, industrialized, dead, devitalized water. What if we started drinking wild water? You know, we're 70% water by volume, but molecularly we're 99.9% water molecules. So there's something to this. And so I started just drinking from wild springs and that shifted everything for me. Body, mind, and spirit just went through this subtle but radical transformation over time. And that's when I discovered the work of Victor Schauberger, who is to this day, my absolute hero. He's, uh, he was incredible. He was a, a naturalist from the late 1800s, early 1900s, who had a more advanced understanding than even the world's modern hydrologists now will get to in the next few hundred years on the track that we're on with understanding water. So it, it blew my mind open at that time and, and helped me to recognize that water really holds the answers to all of humanity's toughest questions that water as the source of life is the answer to all of life's conundrums, whether we're talking about, you know, agriculture and ecology or medicine and biology or spirituality and ethics or politics and economies, you name it, water is the queen of this planet. She is the ruler of the universe. In fact, when you really look at the composition of the cosmos that we live in, and as such, she is the ultimate teacher and the storehouse of all wisdom. And so the deeper I went into that path, the more obsessed I became and um, and then ended up devoting to this full time in about 2018 or 2019, I think. I started teaching in 2014 and then went full time in 2018 or 19. Mm-hmm. I love it. Water as a holistic health practitioner has been a big part of my work as well. And, you know, we've done many episodes on water in one regard or another, particularly number 88, like I mentioned in the intro with Dolph Zangtanga, who I know you're familiar with, with the MLMA wand. I'm a huge fan. Um, but what I really would love to do today is, because you just have so much knowledge and wisdom, is to kind of tap into the parts of water that most of us don't really know about, aren't aware about, more of the metaphysical, more of the symbolic, more of the, um, how, how it's a, a metaphor a lot for different things. We, if we think of, you know, the show Awakening Aphrodite is about really enlivening and living more in our feminine essence and water is known as the feminine element. And like you mentioned, it was, you know, the mother element really. And, you know, the primordial waters and Aphrodite was the primordial goddess for that matter of all the other goddesses. So I would just love to tap into what do you, what is the average person who has no clue about these metaphysical aspects of water? Cause we all hear and all my subscribers, I'm sure we all know we should drink water, Isabel, right? Everybody knows. And I hear it all the time. Right. And then, and then we, of course we can get into, you know, all the people that think they're drinking water and A, they're not drinking enough, B, their water's dead, C, their water wasn't probably filtered, 
it's not doing what it's supposed to do. We can get it dehydrating them. Yeah. Well, there you go. We should probably get into that, but I just want to make sure we have enough time to talk about these other elements of water, like people have never heard before. And we need to, we need to help get water's message out. We need to get her message out, Isabel. So what do you think just starting off the show, you want to make sure people are aware of? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I would say the number one thing to recognize about water is that she is a living being. She is the body of a larger being that has a body, mind, and spirit, just like you do. When we typically consider water, when we speak about water, we're speaking about the body of water, which is the physicality of water. And that would be like, if I'm speaking to you, Amy, and I say, hey, Amy, how's it going? I'm not just talking to your body. I'm talking to your mind and your spirit and your emotions and all of the, your personality and all of the wonderful things that make you who you are. It'd be really strange if I was just talking to your physical body, right? But that's what we do with water. We assume that water is just the physical solid liquid or gas, but water is a conscious, sentient, responsive dynamic and wise entity and her ability to tap in to her mind and her spirit is directly proportional to the health of her body just like your bodily health determines your capacities in many other ways if you are sick and comatose then you're not going to have the full access to your wit, to your conscience, to your intelligence. You're not going to have the full access to your spiritual connectivity. If you are devitalized and you're tired and you're sick and you're, you know, most of the water that we drink is a shadow of what water is really capable of being. So when I say that water is living, there are a lot of people who say that we drink dead water in this culture. I wouldn't say necessarily that it's dead because it can easily be revitalized. And that's a lot of what I teach is how to revitalize your water. But I would say that it is comatose and it does need a lot of TLC and a lot of it has been heavily traumatized as well, which I think is reflected in, in a lot of the trauma in our culture because you are what you drink and what we do to water, we do to ourselves. Our treatment of water becomes our fate. She is the primordial mirror. She is always reflecting her treatment back to us. Water becomes our fate, water becomes our destiny in many ways that we can get into later in the conversation um, if you'd like. But I think it's important to recognize that if, if you take one thing away from this conversation and nothing else, it's that establishing a relationship with the being of water, which is what you're made of. As we said before, you're 70% water by volume, 99.9% .9 water molecularly. Water is life. So creating a relationship with water is life-changing. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's really dig into that. I love it. Creating a relationship with water as a living entity. And we, we, we're hearing, you know, it has consciousness. I'm hearing it has intelligence. Uh, I'm also, I've also learned, and I love your take on this, Isabel, uh, from Dolph, my study with Dolph and the MLM one, which I'm a fan of. He talks about how when water is properly structured, and just for the audience, if you think of structure, what we're talking about, if you visualize a snowflake, it has a certain design that is either structured properly or it's kind of like a mess, like it gets smashed. So the structure gets all screwed up. 
So when water is the way it's supposed to be, it's got that perfect, looks like the snowflake type design that's symmetrical and coherent as opposed to water that's been damaged. And if it's been damaged, it can't do what it's supposed to do in our bodies. So from what I learned from Dolph is that when water is properly structured, then it acts like a vehicle to allow the zero point field, the one consciousness, call it God, call it whatever you want, the super intelligence to communicate to us and through us when it's properly aligned, for lack of a better word. Could you maybe, you know, expand on that, correct that, your thoughts on that? For sure, that's beautifully expressed. Every, the way you shared that was so succinct and eloquent. And the only thing I would add to that is structure is determined by hydrogen bonding. So we all know that water is H2O. Technically, that's not exactly true. Through scientifically, water can be H3O2 or DHO or, you know, D2O. It can have a lot of different structures and a lot of different compositions, depending on the type of hydrogen we're talking about, depending on uh, how many atoms you have per molecule and that sort of thing. But we know that it's hydrogen and oxygen, right? Fundamentally. And then there are, you know, many other aspects of water that make it a whole well-rounded living being, such as the minerals and electrolytes that are dissolved into it, the microorganisms that would naturally be present in wild water, the aeration, the, the oxygen saturation or the hydrogen saturation, these um, free molecules that aren't necessarily um, bound to the H2O, but are kind of free floating and stabilized. So there are a lot of different um, aspects of the chemical composition of water that go far beyond just H2O. When we're talking about the structure of the water, it mostly comes down to those magical little hydrogens, which in my study of hydrogen over the past few years, I've come to find is the fuel of life. You know, and hydrogen literally means hydro, water, and gen creative. So it is the creative life force, the creative spirit of water. And it's what fuels each and every one of our cells on a microcosmic level. And it actually fuels the universe on a macroscopic level as well. Like hydrogen, you know, is what the sun is made of. It's, if you think of, of, you know, hydrogen bombs, like there's so much energy. It's, it's the most pure energy in the, in the universe, because it's, it's the closest to that zero point. It's the very first atom in existence. And it's the smallest atom in existence. And structured water is bonded together in these symmetrical geometric formations of water clusters, molecular clusters, by the hydrogen bonding. So when you're talking about water structure, it's not, is this water structured or is it not structured? It's not a... a oh switch that you flip. It's like a spectrum. It's like how structured is this water, which is determined by how strong those bonds are. So if you stick a crystal in there, sure, there might be a few more bonds. If you swirl it a little bit, sure, there might be a few more bonds. Um, if you do all the things, all the, all the alchemical water practices, uh, you know, all the, the, um, the special tools that have been invented, like the, the Analemma wand, which I'm a big fan of, um, you know, all the, all the prayers that of course have been done by humanity since the moment we became homo sapiens. I mean, there's, there's evidence of, of water reverence dating back to the bronze age, you know, all of these things that affect the structure of water, 
they affect the strength of those hydrogen bonds. So what's special about hydrogen bonding is that hydrogen itself, again, as the fuel of the universe, as this, this primary first element in creation, as the thing that makes up almost everything in the universe, um, when you look at the geometry of the hydrogen atom, the nucleus, when we're talking about protium hydrogen, which is the ideal form of hydrogen, that's the kind of hydrogen we want the most of. Um, there are other isotopes of hydrogen that are not so good. We can get into those in a little bit if you'd like. I think they have profound, not only physical, but also spiritual uh, ripple effects. But to start with protium hydrogen, which is your, your typical average hydrogen, it's one proton and one electron. Now that electron is existing in a probability field. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with kind of the the whole particle um, the whole particle paradigm of physics. Anyways, like you can think of each of these particles as like densifying vortexes of etheric energy. But we're just going to use the particulate model of um, of verbiage right now because it's easier to understand. So we'll say that there's this electron that's existing in a probability field and it's it's dancing away and it's joining other atoms and other molecules. And sometimes it's in, in this dimension and sometimes it bleeps out of existence. Like according to quantum physics, you can never know its velocity and its position at the same time. It's very dynamic. And when it leaves that proton and you're left with just a bare naked proton, which is ionic hydrogen, the definition, the best definition that physics currently has as to what a proton is, is a black hole. It's a 64 tetrahedron black hole. So at the center of every hydrogen inside of a water molecule is potentially this black hole that is coming in and out of existence millions of times a minute, depending on what that electron is doing. So black holes, it is believed, have a direct interface with the source point of unity, the field of, of creative consciousness, that, that trans-dimensional space of, of God's heart, you could call it. And that's one of the ways in which water is in constant communion with, with all that is, because it is constantly opening up these trans-dimensional black holes inside of it. And whether you're talking about the water in your own body, which is highly crystalline, highly structured, the only way that you're able to channel life force energy and be a living being is because you're made of the diamond version of water, you know, highly structured water, crystalline water. And yet what we're drinking is the coal version of water. It's unstructured. It's, uh, it's random and it's chaotic. But if we want to increase water's capacity to tap into that infinite source of intelligence, then structuring the water allows it to channel the information that is drawn from those black holes from one molecule to another because the hydrogens are in communication. They have a relationship with one another. And so they can conduct that information across the molecular matrix that is formed within that um, that symmetrical structure, that crystalline structure that forms. So what I'm understanding is that initially water originally was obviously structured and, you know, the way, let's just say it was supposed to be. And then through 
man, man and human, let's say human, human influence, particularly, which I definitely want you to talk about is the electromagnetic influence, the artificial electromagnetic influence on water. Um, that has resulted in water becoming what we're calling unstructured. This is just so the audience understands. So when they get even a very expensive, like Evian or Fuji or one of these really high-end filtered waters that they think, okay, I'm spending the money on filtered good water because I, I'm a believer in holistic health. I want to be healthy. I buy it. I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Forgive the pun, drinking the Kool-Aid. But, you know, I'm on board. But now you're telling me water now, it's not enough to filter. Right? It's now to be structured. So even this expensive, good filtered water isn't really doing, it's not, it's not comprised the way it was originally supposed to be. And therefore it can't really do what it's supposed to do. Is this what you're telling me, Isabel? Like I can hear the listener of your saying that. So if they're saying that you can answer, and then you can say, this is how you fix that problem. Yeah, you got it exactly right. Exactly. It's, it's, closer to the water that we're meant to be drinking but you know my ethos with everything is let's get back to nature let's just you know as Victor Schauberger said comprehend and copy nature that's all that we really need to do to exist in the highest state that humanity is is capable of and when we comprehend and copy nature we recognize that water in nature is a lot different than industrialized, highly processed water. Just like we don't want to be eating processed food, we don't want to be drinking processed water, right? We want to be drinking whole, well-rounded natural water. And there's something innate in the human psyche where we recognize this. We know this to be true. And that's why we will pay more than the price of gas for something like Evian or something like, you know, a, a high quality spring water, because we know innately that spring water is going to be better for us. That's why companies, you know, the, the bottled water companies have actually lobbied to have the laws changed so that they can drink, drill a borehole down into an aquifer, pump up artesian well water and still label it as spring water. Even though it's not spring water, it's artesian well water, they can still label it as spring water because they know that the average consumer wants spring water. Even if we don't conscientiously know why it's better, humanity, all of our, you know, our genetic memory, all of our ancestry dating back to the dawn of time has been preferentially choosing spring water. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. But I would say that there are, in my estimation, three main kinds of water. If you just want to break it down in the simplest way, there are three main kinds of water that we encounter. The first kind of water is what most people drink, unfortunately. And as you alluded to in the very beginning of the episode, it's water that's actively dehydrating people. And I know that sounds counterintuitive if you're just first starting to get into water wisdom and you're like, but I'm drinking water. How could it be dehydrating me? I get that. But this particular water would be something like reverse osmosis water, distilled water, or tap water, um, or contaminated water, which of course is what most people around the world, especially in the global South and developing nations are drinking. And uh, we don't have as much of that problem here in the Western world, but we are still drinking dehydrating water with tap distilled and reverse osmosis. So distilled and reverse osmosis are what hydrologists call an aggressive solvent. And because they have been robbed of all of their minerals, all of their microorganisms, all of their molecular structure. It's a very chaotic, disorganized, what we call bulk unstructured water. It's a bulk water. 
And so it's a very empty water. It's what Victor Schauberger called a um, an immature water. And so like a baby, it's reaching out, grasping at everything, trying to fill itself back up again. It's it's been robbed of everything. And so it's 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 hungry. And it can actually leach minerals from your body over time in the same way that it can actually leach more xenoestrogenic compounds from the plastic that it is stored in than something like a spring water would leach from that plastic. Mm -hmm. And um, so that would be reverse osmosis and distilled. And then of course, tap water and, and, and that's dehydrating because one of the main aspects of hydration is mineral composition, right? If you have mineral depletion, which is a chronic epidemic at this point in our culture, that is one of the four or five different forms of dehydration. It's a type of dehydration. And so if it's leaching minerals from your body, it's dehydrating over time. It also takes more energy for the body to convert unstructured bulk water into structured, uh, what we call exclusion zone, gel phase, crystalline water. There are a lot of different names for it, but it's all basically the same thing. Exactly. It's technically an allotrope, not a phase, but you know, Dr. Gerald Pollack kind of, kind of termed the the phrase fourth phase, fourth allotrope water. Um, So it takes, it robs a lot of energy from your body to make that conversion. It takes more energy than you actually get back from the water in hydroelectric energy. And we can get into this in a minute if you want, but, but, you know, the measurement of your energy, your prana, your mana, your chi, how much voltage you have on board, we can measure that with something called a phase angle test. Incidentally, the phase angle test is what clinicians use to measure your hydration. It's the exact same measurement. Water is the primary conductor of life force energy. It's the conductor of life force energy in your body. And so your level of hydration is the same. It's just another word for your level of prana, mana, or chi. So this particular kind of of water, this empty, hungry, juvenile water leaches uh, energy and minerals from your body. So it's dehydrating in that way. And then of course, you know, I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse when it comes to the tap water topic. I'm sure your, your audience is pretty savvy, but you know, if you're, if you're drinking, um, if you're drinking um, chlorine, for example, chlorine is a biocide. And so it actually creates a little um, mini genocide in your gut, in your microbiome, every time you drink it. Now, we don't typically think of the microbiome as being related to hydration, but they're actually intimately connected. Natural water is a natural probiotic when we drink water that kills off our microbiome because it's been chlorinated, that is a dehydrating water. When you do drink hydrating water, you're not only hydrating your own cells, you're hydrating the trillions and trillions of microorganisms that you're made of. Their hydration is just as important as yours for your thriving, right? And so tap water is dehydrating in that way. Uh, Also fluoride cuts off uh, cell to cell signaling. It disables the the electromagnetic communication between the cells. Um, Turns off your pineal gland. Exactly. Calcifies everything. Uh, It's been linked to arthritis, all kinds of issues, right? Just all all kinds of issues. Um, As a proximal effect has been uh, considered a carcinogen linked to to cancerous effects. Mm -hmm. It's just the ripple effects are are never ending. And that's only the beginning of what we're putting in tap water, not to mention the atrazine, which messes with the endocrine system so badly that it turns male fish into female fish in the wild. I mean, it just, it goes on and on. So 
that's the first kind of water is water that no matter how much you drink, you're not going to feel hydrated. And that's actually what brings a lot of people to my work. They say, you know what? I drink so much water and I just, Mm -hmm. I'm always thirsty for more. Or always peeing. I hear that all the time. Or always peeing. They're always, so they're like, it's not working. I just pee it out. So talk to us about that. What would you say to someone who's like, what you just said, I drink all the time. Why is this not working? Because One, because that water isn't very high quality. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's the difference between hydration and irrigation. So if you want to truly hydrate yourself, you need high quality water, but you also need high quality cell membranes that can absorb that water really well. And what most people are doing is irrigating. So it just basically goes through your digestive tract, but it doesn't actually absorb. If you're a gardener, you can think of it as like, you know, if you have really high quality soil, then when you water your garden, you're going to notice that water really seeps into the soil. But if you don't have high quality soil, you're going to notice that it just kind of runs off. off. Which is like all the fires out West because the soil is so depleted. It didn't absorb the water. It was just on the surface. So the soil was really, really dry. Exactly. So we want to prime our bodies to be absorptive. Um, So that's the first kind of water. The second kind of water is the baseline minimum of what our biology expects of us based on, you know, what is it? 300,000 years of evolution that we have been homo sapiens. Our biology as homo sapiens expects us to be drinking spring water at the minimum, this is what all of our ancestors have done. Springs were so much more ubiquitous on this planet at one point than they currently are. Um, and so that would be water. It's all structured then. <laughs> exactly. Spring water is the, the most high quality, the most highly structured water in so many ways. It's It's been filtered by the geology of the earth. Um, it's been structured by the you know, vortex of, of lunar electromagnetism that draws it to the surface and by the geomagnetic um, geological influences of, of the rocks within the, the aquifer and just many different factors. It has the, the full spectrum of microorganisms in it and the full spectrum of light frequencies that it's been exposed to um, as it emerges at the spring head. It's been exposed to the sounds of nature, the bird songs and the sound of wind wrestling in the trees. So it has all of that subtle information, the magnetic information. It's the highest quality water on the planet. It's the, it's the water that mother earth herself gives birth to as a gift of life to sustain all of her creatures in an act of infinite generosity. And when you establish a a reciprocal relationship with that moment of the birth of life by going and and making pilgrimages to these sacred sites, these sacred springs, there's something that happens because you disconnect yourself from the matrix, the consumer matrix in which we are currently in this strange slave-like paradigm paying corporations or the government for our own bloodstream. Because when you drink water, it becomes your blood within five minutes. So if you're buying bottled water, you're paying a corporation for your blood. If you are drinking municipal tap water, you're paying the government for your blood. But God designed it in such a way, in my belief, God designed it in such a way that our life blood comes directly from our earth mother in the same way that we drink from the breast of our mother when we're babies. And this is what connects us to the web of life in a, in a beautiful way that empowers us into sovereignty and into 
intimate communion, belonging, and, and responsibility within our own watershed. You know, we're, we're pretty much the first, one of the first generations that has been drinking water that is not from the place where we are. And so we're very disconnected. Yeah. We're very, um, we're very, what's the word? Um, spread out, you know, like our, our consciousness is scattered in a way because water is consciousness. You know, Mose Hackman said water is the glove on the hand of consciousness. If you're drinking water from, you know, Evian, France and Fiji and the Alps and all these places, you're going to feel a lot more scattered than you will if you are drinking water that is from right here, the place where you live and you leave yourself into your watershed. So that's the minimum. That's water that will hydrate you. That is water that will sustain you. That is medicinal water. The third kind of water is very rare. You can find it in certain places on earth and you can learn how to create it at home. And this is, it's been called, you know, miracle water in various places. Like I'm sure a lot of your listeners will probably have heard of Bernadette's Grotto, which is a spring in Lourdes, France, which is considered a miracle healing spring. So many pilgrims travel hundreds, even thousands of miles to drink this water because there have been so many documented cases of miracle healings where people have been cured from incurable ailments by going there. And there have been sightings of um, saints at this spring. Wow. Among many qualities that it has that make it really unique, uh, it's mineral composition, it's highly structured, of course, um, but it's also incredibly high in atomic and molecular hydrogen, of course, which, as we just said, connects it intimately with the Holy Spirit, which I think is one of the reasons why saints are always spotted at these miracle healing springs. There's another one in Tlacote, Mexico. There's another one in Nadana, India. There are, are these rare miracle healing springs all over the world. And invariably you always find that they're much higher in levels of atomic and molecular hydrogen in addition to the, the incredible structure that they have. And so those springs are, it's the difference between water that will sustain you versus water that will give you life. You know, they say water is life and these waters are like pure life force energy. Um, so you can learn how to, how to recreate that water at home. And you can actually learn how to take even that first category of water, be it tap water or distilled or reverse osmosis water. I recognize that some people are starting with such contaminated water that they have to distill it or they have to put it through reverse osmosis. Mm -hmm. And that's a starting point, but it is not an ending point. You know, the steps that I teach to bring water back to its spring quality state are forage. If you can just go forage and then you, you skip the need for all of the rest of the steps. Forage, filter. When you say forage, can we just back up? Can you mm -hmm. clarify? Forage yeah. So forage would be finding your nearest spring. So you can go to findaspring.com. Okay and find wherever your nearest spring is. And you might be surprised. It might be a lot closer than and more accessible than you realize. And even if you just go there once a month and you fill up enough five gallon carboys to last yourself an entire month, or if you wanna be a water carrier for your clan, for your community, and you wanna fill up several carboys and bring them back to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, this is a sacred commission. It is truly a sacred commission. How would you bring it back? You buy like jugs? And yeah, you buy big jugs. In fact, if you go to waterslife.shop under the forage category, okay. you'll find some giant five-gallon carboys in which you can do this. Perfect. Or you can just go to a beer and wine brewery supply store and get big glass five-gallon carboys as well. 
Okay, I hear road trip. Somebody did somebody say road trip? I hear road trip. That sounds fun. Who doesn't go who doesn't drive an hour to go to the airport, right? Like what's more important? I'm sorry, what's more important? Because let me tell you what I hear you saying, Isabel, so unbelievably eloquently, is what you're you just just to just to dumb it down for my brain. You're talking about existence versus thriving. So yeah, you can get your filtered water, whatever, and you're going to stay alive. But if you want to feel vivacious and have your brain work right and feel like your intuition come online and have energy and passion and to, to live your potential, these are the things, yeah, you might have to take a couple extra steps in your life, whatever it may be. You might have to cough up a few extra books to buy the proper filter or to take your pilgrimage once a month and do it. But isn't the return worth it? Isn't it an investment? Isn't it a value? I mean, that's how I think of it. Because what I hear you saying is, and I never thought of it like this before, but basically non-structured water. So even regular filtered water is what people think, your high-end Evians, all of those, they're not structured. So they function basically like processed foods. Because processed foods take more energy from your body to process. So they drain your energy rather than, you know, we're supposed to eat and have it give you energy. You're supposed to eat food, lunch, dinner, and be like, yeah, now I'm ready to get back to work. Now I'm ready to whatever, clean the garage or whatever you got to do. It's not supposed to make you have to go down and take a nap or go get another cup of coffee or whatever, be in a bad mood, be grumpy, be scattered, crazy, ADD. No. So water, and please correct me, but water is the same. It should be energizing you if it's kind of, if we set it up to do what it's allowed to do. Like we have to, unfortunately in this day and age, we have to now kind of help it, get it back to what it could potentially do because unbeknownst to us, we've kind of inadvertently screwed it up, but we can, we can fix it. It's fixable, which I love because my show is about solutions. We can, we can remedy this. And it sounds like it's not that hard. Exactly. You're exactly right on. And, and just to reiterate, when we're talking about energy and energizing our body, your body's energy is the same as your body's level of hydration. So when you're saying like, this should give you energy, your food should give you energy. If you do a workout, it should give you energy. If you go sit in the sunshine, it should give you energy. If you go do, you know, some, some ritual and some ceremony and some prayers with your community, it should give you energy. If you drink high quality water, it should give you energy. All of those things give you energy because all of those things hydrate you on some level, they affect either the structure of the water in your body or the amount of water in your body. And whether we're talking about the isotopic composition or the structure or the amount or the mineral composition or the amount of light and electromagnetic energy that's stored in your bio water, all of these factors are what determine your hydration. Your hydration is the conductor of your prana, your mana, your chi, your life force energy. And so if we want to be vibrant beings, we have to center water as the primary, we have to center hydration in general, I should say, as the primary factor in our well-being. Um, and I would also say that when it comes to hydration, you know, it's not just about the water that you drink. And the fact that we think that it's the, about how much water we drink is why 
basically 100% of the population is dehydrated. We might not realize that we're dehydrated because as Dr. Pat Mangelich said, the body is a sophisticated system of thirst signals. So if you find yourself sore or it takes you a while to recover after a workout, that is a thirst signal. If you find yourself getting a headache more often than you'd like to, that is a thirst signal. If you have allergies, if you have allergies in the spring, that is a thirst signal. Absolutely. Brain fog. If you get that mid-afternoon slump, these are all thirst signals. If you find yourself really moody and you have mood swings, that is a thirst signal. And, you know, Batman Gellage devoted his entire career to basically, um, proving the the physiological pathways uh, through which this is true. But if you think about it, you know, water mediates absolutely every single function of your body from how your neurons connect to each other while you're thinking to how your vision functions, because the, the lens of your eye is 99% water, your eye in general is mostly water, you know, every single uh, enzymatic reaction, you name it, like every protein that folds, there are 10,000 water molecules surrounding every single protein. They only fold because of those water molecules changing their structure. Like whenever anything goes out of balance or is uncomfortable in the body, it's Occam's razor. The simplest solution is normally true. So water metabolism disturbance should be ruled out first as the primary causative factor before we start going down the rabbit hole of all of these other things, because when you get down to it, all of these names that we have for various diseases are actually just synonyms for various manifestations of states yes. of dehydration in bodies that are made of basically 100% water at a molecular level. It's just a crazy thought that we are only 1% not water. Like, just think of it that way. We're all right. 0.01%, molecularly speaking. Volumetrically, it's different, of course, but yeah. Yeah. But wrap your brain around that. That's like nuts. Like, so, and, but I love what you're saying is we're not attributing all these everyday, what, whatever we attribute it to getting older, not sleeping well, I don't know, whatever. You just don't attribute it to the real, the real source. So of course you're never really going to fix it. But here's the problem of like my career, Isabel, the catch 22 is that it's hard for people to understand because they're not feeling like to, to, if we could just jump out and be in Isabel's body with your brain right now and all your cylinders firing, you obviously are walking your talk. You are a perfect example of someone who's dialed it in. Okay. We would then feel if we could just jump in you, we would be like, oh my God, what a difference. You know, it's like if people don't know what it is to feel amazing. They don't, they don't know. They think, they like think that just, sickness is just, they think that health is just the absence of sickness. Like, oh, I don't have a cold right now. So I'm healthy. Right. Or they just get up and they feel achy, whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, the back, the neck, the this or that I'm getting older or whatever. You know, they just, it becomes normal. It's like, I always said, when I got out of a bad relationship and then I got in a really good one. I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't <laughs> you don't know realize. what you're missing. Right. I didn't know what a good relationship really was, you know, because I didn't know any different. So here's the catch 22. So my question to you, my friend, is what would you say to that person who just, you know, no fault of their own, but you know, who tells us this stuff? That's what we're here for, to help people. So they don't realize, or, you know, I just want them to buy into like, just try this because you don't know how much better you really can feel, you know, like, what would you say to them to kind of push them over to the edge? She'd be like, oh, come on. 
I'm buying my Poland Springs at, you know, BJ's. Isn't that enough? You know, like, how can we kind of push them over the edge, Isabel? Yeah, I think it really depends on the person and what their priorities are and what their ethos is. And, you know, everyone has a different pathway into water. But if if their primary concern is, as you say, aging, like, oh, I'm just sore and icky in the morning because I'm aging. And, you know, I would say that biological aging and chronological aging are two very different things. We're all going to age chronologically. That's beautiful. There's no avoiding it and we wouldn't want to. Biological aging, we do have a lot of control over. And, you know, Dr. Ishahari Yumi said that water, that um, aging is basically just a process of drying out. And um, Dr. Carly Newday said something similar. You know, she said that aging is a process of, of dehydration. And, you know, it's the difference between a, a plump, ripe, juicy plum, right, versus a dehydrated prune. There's going to be a lot more wrinkles on that prune. And the same is true of you. Like as we age, we lose the pro- the ability to process water in the same way. We've been living a lifetime of dehydrating factors. We just get wrinkly and less vital. And that's, that's natural. Um, you know, Dr. Zach Bush said, if we could stay perfectly hydrated in the intracellular environment, our aging would slow down, if not reverse, if not reverse. And we've, we've started to see this bear itself out in studies. So I know you had Dolph on the podcast. They've been doing some really great research at their lab. One of their uh, studies showed that drinking um, coherent full spectrum water could cause a, a biological age revitalization of one to 12 years in 99% of the study participants within only three months of drinking the water based on glycan age tests. And we see this again and again in various ways. And we even see it in scriptural teachings. So, you know, for example, you know, if you're, if you're a student of Christ, then multiple times in the Bible, it talks about the living waters and the central importance of the living waters. And Jesus said, you know, those who drink from the water that I give him will not die, but have everlasting life, will have eternal life. And there are so many water codes in the Bible. There are so many water codes in all religions, in all mystic teachings, in all uh, indigenous teachings. And it's so fundamental that it's the easiest thing to overlook. It's like fish who swim completely unaware of the water that they're swimming in. And in the same way, we remain completely unaware of the water that we're made of and its centrality to every aspect of our daily experience. What I also love about the 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 wisdom teachings is there's 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 an inherent uh, relationship with when we go into the divine feminine aspect of the essence of water of water as well as love, and that water and love are very interchangeable. In that, I love the analogy is that I that I read somewhere along the way, my studies that. Water's like love because if you grasp at it with your hand and try to grab it in your fist, it it just disperses, right? So love is that way too. Whereas if you soften your hand and cup it, water will stay with you. And love is the same way. Like you, you know, the clinging, the grasping at love, as opposed to if you love something, set it free, right? Absolutely. Water is the feminine, is love, is very, so there's a lot of analogy 
between water and love, because in that regard, in how we handle it, how we keep love in our lives, we have to handle it softly and not be graspy and clingy and all that. And water's the same. Mm-hmm. And also how water is the source of, of, of creativity, not only metaphorically, like the waters of life and all that, but literally, because we came from the primordial water, the ocean, and love is the same way because love to create something without love is to have no juice, to have no, to have no oomph, to have no mojo, have no life force. If you put someone's passion, I mean, something to watch someone dance passionately or an artist create something with passion or somebody to do something with love or what doesn't even matter what they're talking about. If they're passionate and enthusiastic, that comes across, that's engaging, that's attractive, that's magnetic, that's compelling, that's love. And water's the same way. So from my studies, there's a lot of uh, correlation with water and love and that those are both the feminine essence of, of life, of life itself. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I see it in exactly the same way. I think love is that unity, that oneness, that God that everything comes from, that these hydrogen are tapping into that gives them the creative potential to then create all of life. All of life comes from hydrogen. All of everything in the universe comes from hydrogen. If you boil everything in the universe back down to its primary form, it's hydrogen, right? And um, hydrogen, in fact, has this very unique sacred geometry to it, where if you take an EEG reading of somebody who is feeling profoundly loving. If you have a couple that is in the midst of an eye-gazing tantric moment of just pure open-hearted love with one another, and you do an EEG reading of them in that moment, their brain waves mirror the exact geometry of hydrogen. Wow. Water is the pattern of love. It's the, it's the primary teacher of love. In fact, the whole Tao Te Ching is basically written as a as a comparative metaphor. Like the entire Tao Te Ching, for the most part, is a is a simile between this is the nature of God. It doesn't say love specifically, but I believe the nature of God to be love. You know, it says it says the Tao. This is the nature of the Tao. And it's the exact same as the nature of the water. We can't perceive God. We can't perceive the Tao. We can't understand it. We can't wrap our brains around that, which is infinite and unconditional and never ending and has no beginning and no end. But we can perceive water. We can wrap our brains around that. We can become a disciple of water. And that will teach us the nature of the Tao because they share the same nature and one mirrors the other. Mm -hmm. Well, what I love about the feminine aspect of water too is to me, she's our teacher in that she is the hard and the soft, you know, and a lot of the divine feminine stuff is very vogue right now. And it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies and flowers, and that's all beautiful and lovely and soft. But let's remember the hurricane, the tsunami. I mean, water is what creates lightning. I mean, she's a force. You don't mess with her. Would you like to comment on that, on the divine feminine aspect or anything you kind of want to clarify for us to understand how, what we mean by she's feminine, it's feminine, but, but that, but don't mistake her for some, you know, little passive pushover, right? Like, mm-hmm. Any comments on that? Yeah, there's, oh, there's so much I want to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's such this an important, important topic. It's important. Yeah. It is. It is. So one is about her power and that she is absolutely 
the ruler of this planet, right? The sun doesn't take any effect on earth, neither the, the heat nor the light of the sun have any effect on biological life, except through the phase changes of water, right? Whether we're talking about fluctuating sea surface temperatures or cloud microphysics, or you name it, water is the mediator of 95% of energy transfer on this planet, right? And when we think about water, we tend to think about liquid water, or if we're like, really aware, we'll think about like solid liquid and gas. And if you do that, you see water everywhere. Like water is in the atmosphere, water is in our breath, water is in the clouds, water is the reason why the sky is blue, water is in every single blade of grass, water is all around us every time, every all the time, right? And then when you start really looking into water, you realize, oh my gosh, so much more multidimensional than that because yep. water can actually burn at thousands of degrees and still exist as ice. There is ice in deep space that burns at thousands of degrees. How does she do that? Nobody knows. She's an, a complete anomaly. There are over 64 anomalies about water that physicists cannot explain, ways that she literally defies the laws of physics in order to be the one and only thing that can conduct life force energy. There's what's called the... Um, I think it's called the anomaly point of water, actually. Um, yeah, it's called the anomaly point. It's where water freezes, boils, and evaporates all at the same time at this very unique meeting of uh, temperature and pressure gradients. She boils, freezes, and evaporates all at the same time. Basically, anytime we think we know something about water, she's going to burst open all of those preconceived notions <laughs> And show us paradox. paradox. She's the ultimate mystery. She's really the ultimate paradox, the ultimate mystery. We can never fully understand everything about water. In fact, there's a very famous water scientist who said, we know absolutely nothing about water. And I've been studying water for 14 years now, since 2009. That feels weird to even say that, <laughs> 14 yeah. years. But I still learn something new about water almost every day. And I can tell you for sure, for a fact, we know basically nothing about water. We're learning new things all the time. We have to humble ourselves to be able to learn from this embodiment of wisdom, this embodiment of consciousness, because she is so powerful. Like I have a, I have a friend who's one of the uh, top water scientists. I have so much respect for him. Um, he, he runs the lab at natural action technologies and uh, he, he was doing some experiment experiments in the beginning of his career where there were exposing water to um, really intense vibratory frequencies with no rest and no oscillation in the in the frequency and, and no harmonization with other frequencies. It was just like, and water basically said, okay, that's it. I've had enough and almost destroyed all of their equipment. Like the water mm -hmm. sent out a burst of energy so intense that their computers basically exploded. And when he and spoke to others- bounced it back. Like she exactly. like threw it back on him. Yep. But even stronger. Yeah. And so when he told other scientists about this, they were like, that's not possible. And he said, well, all I know is what I've seen and water is way more powerful than we give her credit for. Um, so I would say definitely don't underestimate your water. And yet at the same time, the way that we treat water is the way that she will show up for us. So if we treat her like she's just some mundane, inanimate thing that we use for our convenience, she'll show up that way because she's pure humility. 
And then we're not going to have an experience of her power. We're not going to have an experience of her, her magic and her mystery. But if we honor her and have a reverence for her, then she starts to invite us to get a glimpse of that aspect of her being. So it really starts with us. If you want to see that side of water, you know, it really starts with our treatment of her. And then the next thing I would say about her femininity specifically is I feel like there are kind of, there are kind of a few aspects of this consideration. One is that most indigenous cultures consider water to be feminine. They consider her to be the mother. The, the Kogi tribe of Colombia in particular, they have one of the most complex and intact water cosmologies of any culture on the planet. And they say that water can be thought of as um, the, the best way for us to relate to water is as a beautiful woman and that men should see water as their mother and their lover and their daughter and treat her exactly the way that they would treat the most beautiful woman in the entire world because that's what she is. Aphrodite. <laughs> and then as women, we see her as a reflection of ourselves, right? And in a lot of indigenous cultures, it's also the female's responsibility to go harvest water, to tend to water, to care for water, to sing for water, to carry water medicine songs in their repertoire, to sing to the waters in, in ceremony and in general. Um, so there's this, there's a very close relationship with water and the feminine. There's also a very close relationship with uh, women's rights and water rights. And you look at the places where women have the fewest rights in the world. And you see a direct correlation that those are the places that water is the most contaminated. And you also see that, you know, in humanitarian efforts, when uh, women's rights are addressed, immediately the water uh, of those areas improves and vice versa. So that's, that's a really interesting kind yeah. of rabbit hole. Um, but when we look at water itself, kind of uh, slightly more scientifically or maybe metaphysically. You know, we were saying before that water has a body, mind, and spirit. The body of water, of course, is the solid liquid and gas that we're familiar with. The mind of water, we talked about hydrogen as well, which I consider to be the spirit of water. The mind of water, I consider to be the etheric field, the Akashic records, the infinite, all-pervasive ocean of superfluidic energy that contains all uh, time, space, and dimension, past, present, future, and all information, record, and memory. In fact, the word memory itself comes from mem, which is the Greek for water, and ori, which means light. So the light that is contained in water, the light that's stored in water, wow. remember comes from, you know, mem, again, meaning water, and bear, which it means to, to bear, to carry, to bring forth. So to bring forth water again is to, and re means again. So to bring forth water again is to remember, right? So like even built into our idea of what is memory, what is intelligence, it's water. So uh, water, the physical version of water carries memory, but this non-physical water that pervades everything in the universe, this etheric ocean, um, is intimately interconnected with water. You can't separate one from the other. You know, comatose water doesn't have as much direct access to that field of intelligence because it doesn't have the connection of the hydrogen bonds that we talked about. But 
still they're they're like the the physical and the non-physical versions of the exact same being right just like you can't really separate yourself from you know your mind and your spirit they're all integrated body mind and spirit so so that's the way i i perceive of it you could also perceive of it in the sense that um physical water is the feminine and then the etheric waters are the masculine so the waters it's oceanic etheric consciousness this never-ending, never, you know, unchanging field of of oceanic awareness is the masculine, and when it comes into the form, into the three D, it takes the form of the body of solid, liquid, and gas as water. The glove on the hand of consciousness, or the body of God, or as it's been called, as well, you know, the sensory organ of the universe, the way that the universe feels and perceives and interacts and exchanges. It's all through the very uh, perceptive body of water, which is always hearing, always seeing, always feeling, always perceiving everything in its environments. It's enormously sensitive. And that that is the the, the feminine uh, side of this being, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when you look at, you know, the masculine and the feminine, as I'm sure you're well aware, Amy, like, you know, the masculine is consciousness and the feminine is is that which feels and that which emotes and that which changes and it's like nothing changes except through water in fact i think it was da vinci who said um with time and water all things change Mm. well i know i've been going to miami for about 20 25 years i have a very small tiny little place on the beach there and uh every single morning isabel i would wake up and go out to get that morning light with my dogs. And uh, the water was never the same. There was never one, there was never two mornings in a row or ever that the water was exactly the same, that, that shoreline. There was, it, it just was different. I mean, talk about the epitome of change. I mean, mother ocean, it was never the same ever. And I've been going for my whole, well, 20 years, 25 years, as long as I can remember. And I, I remember I've been, I've been noticing that the last few years, like, it is different every single day. So there you go, the feminine, you know, that she is the change. She is the cycle. And I was trying to develop the ability to almost, I don't know what the expression would be, but to like read the water. Like I was trying to communicate with the water. I was trying to observe her and almost get like the energetic and weather forecast for the day based on how she looked in the morning. So I was looking for patterns, which is, I know how the ancients lived, right? Like that's how they developed their, they started to understand, oh, clouds mean it's going to rain soon. Like they, you know, just by observing nature, like I love that quote by Victory that you gave, you know, by observing, paying attention, looking for patterns is really the way to try to figure out how to get in harmony with all of this, you know? Absolutely. And that's part of what I mean when I say to get into, into reciprocal relationship with water, to get into communion with water. It's so much more about Mm -hmm. listening and perceiving and tracking than it is about, you know, communicating and speaking and praying. And and all of that is important. It's important for us to pray, pray with our water. It's important for us to sing to our water. It's important for us to speak our desires and intentions into our water. But if it's only a one-way communication, that's in my estimation, less than half the equation because she has so much to share with us. Well, relationships are two way, right? You don't just, you got to listen back. Right. But that's what, that's where most of us fall short and yours truly included. You know, it's like, 
to sit back, be quiet and listen, just be quiet and listen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Isabel, what do you think are some of the, the ways in which water would communicate with us? So I am the person who, when I spin my MLM wand in my jug of water in the morning, I will give my, I will connect with it in my heart and my soul and, and thank the water. And, and I clear it by making the figure eight and whatever. I go through this little incantation, this little ritual I do all the time. How do you think that would express itself throughout my day? Like, will I, do you, would you think I would get a feeling? Because that water, as you said, becomes my blood within five minutes. It becomes me. She then gets to embody me. She gets to live out her intention through Amy's body, through my body, because I invited her in. I now want you to express yourself through me. You get to live through my body. What do you think she would do? Would she like stick a thought in my head? Would she, how would that look in everyday life for us to understand? Hmm. I think she just connects us to the source. I think she connects us to our higher selves and the highest version of ourselves, which is the Christ-like being. We get the, the word, the root word of crystalline as in crystalline water, crystalline structures, the same as the, the root word for Christ, like our Christed beings. So there's a reason why Jesus is the living waters. You know, all Christians consider Christ to be the living waters. And when our waters are fully alive and fully crystalline, it taps us into our, our Christ-like capacity. There's even a, a particular uh, emanation of the cerebral spinal fluid known as the chrism oil or the Christ oil, which is the anointing oil. So it's it's really this, this very subtle process that because it's so subtle, it's often overlooked, but it's it's the difference between just the, the lubrication and ease of being able to show up as yourself without the constant uh, doubts and drains the difference between saying, oh, I really should meditate today. I feel like, you know, I feel like I really should do that. I put it on my to-do list. I really need to meditate and do yoga because uh, that's something I should do for my mental health. Versus you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, you know, I feel really good right now. I'd really love to just go sit down and take some deep breaths and feel myself in my center. I'm going to do that because that just feels so good. And you're doing the same thing. Like the outer expression looks the same either way. You're still going to go sit on your, on your yoga mat or your Zafu pillow or out in the sunshine. You're still going to do the same thing, but that, that inner perspective is different. And that's the biggest thing that I've noticed. The biggest thing that my clients notice when we work on their hydration strategies, it's that, you know, you, you could break it down scientifically as well. It's not just the crystalline structure, but it's also the uh, brainwave coherence and brainwave synchronization. You know, Zantica might've mentioned when he was on your podcast, another one of the double blind randomized placebo control trials that they did. They do, they do such high quality trials at yes. their lab. I just, I have to give them them full props for that, but they, they did show that uh, within five minutes of drinking the water, it creates brainwave coherence and synchronization between the left, left and, and the, the right brain. hemispheres. Yep. And so it just creates this level of coherence, not only between your left and right brain, but in my experience, between your brain, your heart, your gut, and your sex, especially yep. over time. You know, these are the main brain centers, the main electromagnetic generative, like energy centers, forces of the body. And it is the water of your body that conducts that energy. When that water is coherent, then those vibrational fields become coherent. And 
you just have to experience it and you just have to you just have to dive in and experience it to know what effect it's going to have for you particularly you know I work for clients where they see it mostly show up in their relationships because it's their relationships that have been um, disorganized out of harmony and incoherent and so when they start becoming more coherent it's their relationships that become more coherent I work with other clients where it shows up you know in other ways and in, in their health issues I would say that's predominantly the, the thing that I see most often um is in their health, their physical health. But, you know, I see it happen spiritually for people. It's just, you know, what does, what does coherence feel like for you? And I would say that's the main way that hydration will show up for you. I love it. This is fantastic. Such amazing stuff. Any final thoughts? This has just been incredible. A lot for us to digest. We can get so much more education on your website. I know you're going to talk about that, but any just last thoughts to make you feel complete, anything, any other messages you want people to know about water, misconceptions to clear up or things that you just make you feel complete today? Yeah. Well, first, I'd just like to say thank you so much, Amy. Thanks for providing the the container for this conversation. Thank you for bringing together the amazing community of the, the audience that you've magnetized through the amazing woman that you are and the conversations that you're bringing forward. And they're all just so important for, for the consciousness of humanity. I just really want to honor what you're doing. Thank you for having me on. And, um, and if there's any one last thing I would like to say about water, it's that um, water really needs us right now. She's really calling us forward, not as humans who are protecting water, but as beings of water that are protecting herself. She needs our protection. We're at a, at a juncture in human history right now where this crucial issue is being decided as to whether water is a human right and a commons as it has always been throughout all of history or is water a source of profit can it be commodified can life itself be commodified for profit every time we see that happen it results in death and disease and we in the west are very privileged to not have experienced that to such an extent as the global south so far but it's creeping in and it's a direct result of water privatization policies. And so I really, really encourage people to get intimately involved in water activism in your local community, in your watershed, on behalf of indigenous tribes, on behalf of you know the, the water pipeline projects that are coming in, you know, find the way that you most resonate with serving water, whether that is hosting fundraisers. If you love to party, go, you know, combine hedonism and altruism together, go host a fundraiser. If it's through community and you're an extrovert, go host a, a water, you know, clean up gathering group and get your friends together and have a pizza and go, you know, clean up the local river, get involved with your local watershed association, you know, find, find a way to give back because water gives you so much. She gives you life and she needs you. Well said. I love it. Where can people find out more information about you and learn more about water? Yeah, so I have um, three websites. The main one, which is general water stuff and blogs and free YouTube videos and a past list of podcasts and all the things. Uh, the hub is waterislife.love. The all of the e-courses, the free webinars, the one-on-one -on -one coaching and consultations and lots of different workbooks and downloadables and all kinds of things. That's all at waterslife.academy. And the shop where people can buy water filters and structuring tools and water energizers and my top recommendations for minerals and electrolytes and everything under the sun, you name it, um, that's at waterslife.shop. So there's waterslife.love, waterslife.academy, waterslife.shop. And then I'm also on Instagram at Jen Isabel Friend. 
I love it. Everybody, that'll be in the show notes if you missed that, because that was a lot. Three websites there. We got a shop, we got an academy, we got a general site, and of course, her on Instagram. And you will find her products and courses on my website as well, my e-store. And we're working on a coupon code there. So by the time this show goes live, that'll be ready to go. That's at amyfornier.com. You know, jump on, jump on board, give it a shot. Give it just probably a couple months and you'll probably see and feel the difference. You know, mm-hmm. Isabel, thank you so very much. Get, keep up the good work, sister. And uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody listening and watching. You know what to do if you enjoyed the show. Support it. Leave a review. Check out Isabel's stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much, Amy. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfornier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also Fit Amy TV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.